If you're suffering from stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, inflammation, pain management, kind of like I am pretty much all the time, I highly encourage you to check out cocanacare.com. And that's C-O for Colorado. It's a Colorado-based company, Canna, C-A-N-N-A, care.com. They make incredible CBD oil that's derived from all natural, high-quality industrial hemp. It's legal in all 50 states and is USDA certified 100% organic. And there's absolutely no THC content in the oil. It's non-GMO and contains no heavy metals or pesticides. They've been gracious enough to help support us during this time. So if you're wanting to try CBD oil for any of those reasons I mentioned and a lot more on their website, I highly encourage you just to give it a shot. Check it out. Go to CoCanna care.com and again that's c-o for colorado c-a-n-n-a care.com if you do like the john muir trail even the john muir trail you know which is regarded as america's what is america's most scenic um or america's most beautiful trail but i can like i can show you on the map probably out of like 224 miles on the john muir trail i can show you probably like 75 miles they're pretty like pretty mediocre This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. So, you know, this is a, uh, a revisited episode. It was last year that I interviewed Andrew Skirka. Um, huge inspiration to me. I remember running across one of his uh, National Geographic stories, the one about the Alaska um, circumnavigation, essentially. Uh, but I wanted to replay this episode for today's revisited episode uh, because I remember him some- saying something um, as to why he did his first ever adventure, which was the Appalachian Trail, he did it because of 9-11 and the job market was, you know, crazy. The economy was going nuts and obviously it was a huge uh, tragedy and the world was uncertain, but it ultimately ended up changing his entire trajectory in life. And I remember remember hearing that and I've been thinking about it lately with everything going on and just thought... You know, for a lot of us in 10 years and five years, even even in just a couple years, we're going to be having people on this show who decided to do their adventure because of the quarantine and the pandemic, as well as uh, all the other social issues going on. The, basically, the state of, of the world will cause folks to do these adventures they've always been talking about, and then eventually have the stories to tell on shows like this. So I wanted to replay that so you can hear from someone who's done that and who went through that, um, that kind of transition, that kind of change of mindset. And also, hopefully you can learn from them because I, I, I'm a firm believer that that anything you're going through, um, whether you like it or not, is is a, is a moment to, to learn. And then it's a moment, an opportunity to change something, uh, to be better. Uh, I, I don't think that's news to anybody, but the really hard part is just putting it into practice. So I love talking to folks and I love uh, showcasing folks who have taken some sort of um, change of plans and turned it into, well, for Andrew, what he now does for a living. So I hope you enjoy, I hope you learn something from his story, and uh, I hope you continue supporting and sharing the show. It looks like y'all really enjoyed Monday's episode. It got a ton of downloads. So if you haven't listened to it, check it out. Dana Starkel, it was a uh, 
just an awesome conversation. And it didn't go the way I thought it would go, but that's usually always for the better. And it was definitely for the better in this case. It was incredible. So check that out. And also, uh, yeah, support some of the sponsors we have now. Um, it's, it's really awesome to be able to be able to have some port support during this time. So, all right, here is the episode. You know, your, your Alaska trip, uh, inspired me to, to go to Alaska on a bicycle. And from that point on, I, I just, had been a huge fan of yours. I saw it in National Geographic. I reached out to you then, like just to say hello. I, I mean, you get tons of that, but that was right when the trip happened, and it was just really inspiring. And uh, just wanted to say thanks for that, first of all, and of course, welcome to the show. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, that was. It's funny that trip has been long enough ago now. Where I'm like, I look back at that, I'm like, wow, that was a cool trip. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Like who was that guy? Because that that guy was a lot different than the one you're looking at in the mirror every morning. Oh man, so stinking relatable. I believe it. It's just something. I, I remember going through some YouTube videos that you were uploading and just reading all the articles and just thinking like this is absolutely nuts. And the longer I followed you, the more I realized like okay, you, you've built a career out of this. Uh, things have slowly gained uh, and at times i'm sure quickly gained a lot of traction um but overall it has been i mean you're considered like a backpacking god <laughs> now yeah it's been a it's been slow and steady like i definitely you know i um I, I don't think i would it's funny like i just i sometimes wonder if i'm like still relevant to this whole scene um but my you know my 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 focus has shifted and i think you know even though i'm yeah i'm still that guy who walked around Alaska, but like I've evolved. So, um, like now I'm, and you can relate to this, but like I'm married, I own a home, I run a small business, I guide trips. Um, I have a cat that I adore. Um, (laughs) uh, I have, you know, have like kind of like I started ultra running again or, you know, running competitively again and sort of shifted out of those like multi-month trips. So like, you know, evolutions are good. Um, uh, but you know, when I, when I, I don't know, like in the in the backpacking world, I do wonder, like, you know, the the energy and the attention is very much on like, you know, the the big long distance trails and on like the JMT and stuff. And I'm like, man, I haven't been on the JMT since 2007. <laughs> so, I mean, Instagram didn't even exist when I was on the. Yeah. Some of those little saplings are are. 10 15 12 years old now <laughs> exactly yeah I mean, things have changed a lot so it's you know um you know and then you know yeah so interesting yeah so i mean i i've heard awesome interviews with you just going through the details of those trips so i'll, I'll try to make it something fresh and, and relevant for you um but i we i a lot of people are gonna want to know like how did this start for you in the sense of you know what were your earliest outdoor experiences that basically the match that began to light this all on fire for you 
Yeah, I'm I'm an unlikely person to be where I am now. Um, not the unlikeliest, but uh, you wouldn't have looked at me when I was 18 or even like 20 and gone like, oh, I this guy is going to become this when he's 37. Um, so I grew up uh, southeast from Mass, pretty like devoid of open space and mountains uh, or hills for that matter. And uh, but it was always something that <clears throat> appealed to me. So we would go on family vacations like uh, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont. But it was never something I could do with any like uh, like with like uh, nothing that I could dedicate a lot of time to just because I didn't have the the access. And um, so then I went to school. I went to Duke, and at the time I was expecting like you know Wall Street track or something like that. Um, and I spent my the first summer in college. I sort of made this recognition that I was like you know like like I'm gonna spend probably most of my life like during the summer under fluorescent lights and why not just like have like a blowout summer and go do something like different that you've kind of always wanted to do. So I worked at the summer camp out in Western North Carolina and was like the most corrupting experience I've ever had. And partly because I was having so much fun, I was like mountain biking and rock climbing and caving. And then in the morning before the kids would get up, I go for like these awesome trail runs. So that was part of it. And the other part of it was I was hanging out with a bunch of people who lived these very unconventional lives uh, where they would like, I mean, they were doing, they were doing van life like before hashtag, <laughs> right? So uh, they were like, um, they would work at the summer camp in the summer and then they would like go down Joshua tree um, for the winter and like, just, just go rock climb. And then they would like get an odd job for a couple months and like pay some more bills. And they basically had like no money. Uh, they had like really crappy cars, but they were just like totally living it up and loved life. I was like, well, that's really different because I grew up in this very sort of like, you know, uh, new England, very um, sort of, that's uh, what I'm looking for. Um, a very focused, family i think is a good maybe a fair way to describe it uh dad's a banker mom's a teacher and so that was like totally corrupting and then it kind of went from there i um uh let's see hiked the appalachian trail in 2002 um i graduated from uh actually the next summer i came out to colorado um and worked i was interned for Golight, which was like a big thing at the time and like like was really changing the scene and then i after graduating i did my big c to c trip which was a 11 month um 7800 mile hike from uh quebec to, to quebec uh quebec to uh washington state and then two years after that, I did the Great Western Loop, which was 6,875 miles in seven months around the American West. And then 2010, I did the Alaska Trail. Yeah. So something that I always tell my wife, especially when things are hard, is that, babe, one day this will all just be a sentence. Yeah. yeah. 2019 was really sucked. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're running through yeah. these things like you're, you're near death. There's probably a thousand near death experiences and all that. And you're just saying... Yeah, I did this eleven thousand mile hike. There, there, there are a few near deaths, but there are definitely some really uncomfortable, lots of lots of uncomfortable days. So yeah, and I just yeah, I mean, um, it's just a sentence now. It's just a sentence. That's a great way to describe it. I know it's nuts. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. And you know, I remember I, I, I heard that your uh, your parents didn't really like this this newfound passion in you. Is that was that true? No, they were totally opposed to it, like adamantly opposed to it. So, and for, you know, so, um, I get it. I get it. I got it then. I get it now. Um, they had just spent a lot of money and put me through Duke and bigger than that is that 
they didn't want their son to do what they perceived to be just like like throwing away opportunity. So um, you know, they thought that me like being this this wanderer um, was not getting going to get me anywhere. And um, you know, and it's um, odds are that 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 should have been the case. Um, it didn't end up being that way. But uh, yeah, so my parents um, uh, did not. Were it's funny they were they fought it, but they were also like once I made a decision, they would support it. So what do they think now? Oh, they're. I mean, well, my life's changed a lot. So you know, I'm. Uh, I don't go on six month long trips anymore with <laughs> right. It's grizzly bears, you know, around every corner. Um, so they're, yeah, they don't have any issues. Not to mention, like, I, you know, I think my mom at this point should be like, well, like, um, you know, you're married, so, you know, you're what you're, you're your wife's responsibility. And I have, you know, four grandkids from your sisters. So <laughs> she, she, she got what she wants. Exactly, you're settled right. down. She's got the grandkids. Now, my mom tells me that's my only purpose now. And so. I honestly believe her. Like, I think if I could give her grandkids and she'd never see me again, she'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's definitely funny living up. So we live in Colorado and my parents are still in Massachusetts. And it's definitely like a different dynamic with being without kids and living, you know, two thirds of the way across the country than versus the relationship that my sisters have with her. I believe it because your sister's still close. Yeah, they're all in Boston. Yeah. Mm. Wow, man, that is so. Are you happy with the way things have gone for you in the last, you know, well, since your first trip in two thousand two, the AT? Um, yeah. So I, the way I had a great time in my twenties, like they were, um, I did exactly what someone in their twenties should do. So it's the one point in your life where you have the decision making abilities of an adult, but you don't have any of the dare I say like trappings of hmm. adulthood. So you're not married, you haven't started a career, you don't have a mortgage, you haven't grown accustomed to nice things. So yeah, my 20s, I was just like a dirtbag hiker, and I, um, you know, I was always like frugal. And I'm actually probably I'm probably being too generous. I was probably I was cheap, um, so I would spend like no money, and that just allowed me to hike, you know, six nine months a year. And never have to like go in debt to do it, and I could just work, you know, seasonally, um, but between hikes. So yeah, I had no regrets about my twenties; they were awesome. Um, my thirties, I think I'm a little bit more conflicted about. Um, so I'm 37 now, and I so I did my last big trip in 2010, and since since that trip, I haven't done another trip that's like that's longer than two weeks, um, at least like one one trip. Um, instead, like I still get out for like last year, I think I slept on the ground I don't know, like 60, 65 nights. So that's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, I since uh, 2014, 2015, let's see. Yeah. 14, 15, 16 and 2018, I ran more than 3000 miles. And in 2017, I ran more than 4000 miles. So like I'm still really active, but you know like I, it's different now. Like I've I spent a lot more time in front of a computer. Um, I'm have a lot more responsibilities. Um, I don't feel like I could just like I don't know like like hey like you know, April is right around the corner. I'm gonna just gonna drop all my stuff and go for a six month long trip. I just can't do that right now. Do you want to? I don't know about a six month long trip, but I would love like if I could just spend the summer um, like backpacking in awesome places and just like um scouting out a bunch of new high routes i totally would do it <laughs> like no no doubt about it yeah 
I've heard you say, uh, you know, you hear a lot of you hear a lot from people who who basically say, man, I wish I would have done what you did at that age. But now I'm in my 50s or getting close to retirement and I'm going to do it at the end. Um, Are you happy that you did it this way? Oh yeah, for sure. I would, I would not want to have wanted to wait to, until I retired to do, to do some of these things. It's just, cause just, you're not going to be, you, I'm sorry. It's not that you're not going to be able to, it's much more difficult. It's, it's hard to predict um, what's you know, going to happen for sure. It's harder, harder to predict. Um, you're not sure if, you know, your body's going to be as cooperative. Um, you know, you might, and I think almost too, like you might not want to give up some of the nice things that you've acquired um, in your adulthood. Like, I really like the fact that I own a nice home. Like my wife and I were sitting in the, on the couch the other day and we're like, wow, our, our home has gotten really comfortable. Like we have this nice fireplace, like this really plush, plush sofa and like, <laughs> and it's just comfortable to be there. And I don't like, that's a, that's a little harder, you know, and our, of course our cat is like cuddled up with us and like, we got lots of blankets going. Cause as you know, it's been like a pretty cold winter here in Colorado on the front range. Um, so yeah, you know, you might not be willing to give those things up as easily as you get as you get older. So um, I would say, like right now, I guess I feel like I'm I'm kind of putting in a I'm I'm doing good work, and I feel like I'm putting in a really good foundation for um, for the future. So like I still feel like I'm still kind of building, um, and maybe you know maybe in a couple of years I'll have I'll have even more balance than I have now. So, you know, your last trip in 2010, that was the uh, big Alaska trip. Yes. There's just, it's ridiculous. Well, I'll do a little thing in the intro just explaining it more, but people just look it up. Like, it's unreal. I won't, I won't have you rehash all the details unless you want to, <laughs> but like, it was just, it was yeah. crazy. You became a uh, National Geographic Ad- Adventurer of the Year in a large part because of that trip. No, you're right. It was a, it was a nutty trip. Like it was something I don't know. It was like, uh, you know, now I look at and go like, wow, you you kind of had to be in like a special place to even be able to dream up something like that to execute it. Yeah, yeah, unreal. Still young and dumb enough probably would be uh, would be one one uh, requirement. And then you couldn't have any. You couldn't feel beholden to anything um, because the risk would be so high. So. Uh, like there, you know, no, like, I don't know. I don't know how you could justify to a spouse going on that trip. Yeah. I, I don't, I feel like I've done, especially in the first few years of marriage, some stupid things like looking back, like, man, why did I do that? Like that, that's not mature <laughs> with trips. <laughs> yeah. And then like mature yeah. before that, just the things that you would do just unbelievable. But yeah, this is, this is definitely something where you're, yeah, great way to put it, not beholden to anything in life with just the danger, the level of uncertainty with almost every turn. You're looking at a map and you just have no idea what's what's going to be around the next corner with animals or circumstances or weather. Gosh, it's Alaska. I mean, yep, it, it's yeah. un, untamed in every way, but that did in a way launch you into what you're doing now. Um, what, what, after that trip, what did you start to do to build that career? What were some of the streams of income that just started popping up? Well, so the um, and let me, I'll, I'll, I'll 
qualify your statement a little bit. I think that the Alaska trip sort of put it over the put me over the edge. So I'd done some like my other trips prior to that were still really outstanding. I mean, out like uh, you know backpacker person of the year for that C to C trip outside outside adventure of the year for the great western loop so like but it's kind of like the third one where it was like wow this is like you know cumulatively really yes. impressive record yeah, at this point I, sorry um, <laughs> so well no i, th- I think that's because um and it wasn't ever the plan to, for me to like go like oh you know if i if i just spend all of my 20s hiking as much as i can you'll be able to make a legitimate occupation out of this in your third that was never that was never the plan but you know what happened and you what you kind of alluded to is that like as things went along i started getting opportunities to to transition it from being i think what i would describe as like a sustainable lifestyle so you know where where income and expenses are about equal or maybe you know hopefully a little bit of a surplus um but you're really like you're still hustling a lot. Like there's not a whole lot of stability, but you're having fun. You're doing exactly what you want to do almost every day. And um, so then I transitioned that into as into yeah, like a legitimate occupation where now like I own a home. And I was like I when I offered a I, when I asked a woman to marry me, she said yes instead of going like no, you can't even buy me a ring <laughs> or <laughs> like this. And um, so originally, like I was doing a lot of speaking. So I think, like in the first two years after the Alaska trip, I did like 110 events, which is just like nuts. And I would, I would never turn down an opportunity. Like a Boy Scout troop in Missouri would call me, like, "Hey, like, would you be willing to come and speak for our Boy Scout troop?" And I'd be like, "Well, like, you know, how, like, you know, what, what do you think you could offer?" They'd be like, "Well, we think we, you know, we could probably offer you maybe like 500 bucks." And be like, "Oh yeah, I'll, sure, I'll do it." <laughs> so then I would. You know, like fly to Missouri and at the same time, like I would figure out like I would I would find another venue maybe like up in Omaha, you know, and that was only like a day's drive away. And I would kind of stitch together these speaking tours. Um, so that was kind of the, that was at, at the beginning. And then I then I came out with the gear guide in 2012. Um, and I also started guiding trips in 2011, but it was a pretty small scale where I just guided like 2011. I guided two one week long trips and and one two week trip so it's three trips total and uh um and then i just sort of the guiding really the guiding and the content have grown much more i've actually like i actually do very little speaking nowadays um so nowadays i guide um well my i manage um this year i'm managing 20 trips with uh capacity for 176 clients i'm in four locations um, and uh, it's a total of like 96 days worth of trips. And of those, I'll be guiding about a third. And then the rest, I, I work with other guides to, for them to run them. Um, so that's kind of the guiding. And then the, on the content stuff, like, you know, the website, my, I you know, try to contribute to my website as much as possible. So there's a bunch of like content up there in addition to the gear guide, which got revised in 2016. So this is all sort of like, you know, like when someone says like, oh, well, you know, what do you do? I say, well, I'm, I'm self-employed. And inevitably that's like, well, you know, what do you do when you're self-employed? I'm like, well, I, I say that I have my hands on a lot of different things and I do, I guide trips and I do, uh, I develop a lot of content and I do, I used to do some consulting too um, for like Sierra Designs and then like some virtual coaching and I do some speaking. So just or like, you know, I kind of um, have my eggs in multiple baskets and I'm able to change my business um, depending on kind of what my, what my interests are at any given time and kind of what the market is telling me. Mm. Yeah. Cause it definitely seems, you know, I, I feel like speaking did have its heyday 
uh, 10 years back or something. I don't know. That might not be true, but I feel like with my research and my interest, speaking was a lot more popular a decade ago. Is it, have you found that? Um, well, I don't know. You know, your next guest, Heather might, would probably be a better, better one to tell you, like she's, you know, she's a lot more active on that circuit right now. Um, I just found that, um, I, you know, well, two, two things. First is that, um, if, uh, I just got tired of telling like the same story. So that was part of it. And the story was also getting like the story was kind of getting old and I'll still like bust out my Alaska Yukon presentation when I'm asked and you know, it's like, for example, next month or not next month in May, I'm going down to um, university of New Mexico. One of my clients um, is, uh, is the chair of a department down there and he asked me to speak to his, to his group. So I'll go down there and I'll do bust out my Alaska Yukon presentation, but it'll be fun. Like I haven't given it like in a year and it'll be fine, but I got tired of telling that story. And then, the other, but the bigger thing is that, you know, now when I started, when Amanda and I started getting serious and eventually we got married, I started looking at all of my days of business travel as like, as just days away. And then it was like, okay, so if I'm going to spend days away, what's, what's the best way to spend those days? And it's not by doing presentations in Kansas city for boy scouts for 500 bucks. Like I, like that's really fun and I hope I like I hope that those boys got something out of my presentation but that's a lot of like trains planes and automobiles for me and it's a pretty shallow um relationship as far as like you know I walk in I'm there for two hours and then I leave and I would much 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 rather guide trips and um it's uh it's more fruitful financially but the bigger thing is that like I'm I'm getting to spend like like this summer I'm spending uh two weeks two and a half weeks up in alaska two and a half weeks in yosemite and uh, i'll oversee the trips for two and a half weeks in rocky mountain national park like that is awesome <laughs> like yeah. you know why do you want to spend your day in denver international airport and on a southwest plane or do you want to like you know be out and be active so it's a pretty easy one i mean it, it, it makes a ton of sense especially for you someone who's had the experiences themselves it's hard to go straight from that to something that in a way even though you're talking about it it has none of the same feeling none of the same physical engagement you know yeah zero zero yeah Yeah. no it's like it's like so i i've kind of kind of i don't know how to describe it i'm i'm kind of in the outdoor industry like i um i've been in it in the past and like i go to or usually twice a year and yeah what you're like me going out and doing a bunch of speaking is very similar to like how like someone works for like a gear company where yeah like they're like they're they have their hands on gear every day and the people that they're and the people that are around um are also really interested in the outdoors but like you know, you being in an office up in Gun Barrel at the Kelty office is not nearly as good as you, know, you being in the field using Kelty gear. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> that makes tons of sense. I mean, you see, you know, former professional athletes have to pick up something else physical rather than speak about their career or something. Um, it, it, yeah. is, it is a balance because you're going to want to do some of that. You're going to want to share it. You know, it's these these times of experiences, no matter how much of a hermit you are out there during the trip, come on, they're meant to be shared. Like people got to know what this is like in your experience. So that, I mean, that's what we're doing right now. Um, you're not hiking right now. Well, at least I don't think you are, but 
there's a bunch <laughs> no. of people going to appreciate this interview. So it's a balance. Um, you know, going from all these crazy experiences into what you're doing now and being, you know, 10 years in or so or more into trying to make or, or successfully making a living off this. Has it ever gotten to the point where you're like, I just, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to do something else. And if that was the case, and if you have thought that, what what would you do if you weren't doing this? Oh, all right. Well, so it's kind of two questions. So the first, like, um, it's been a long time since I was like, hmm, should I be doing something else with my life? Um, because I, I think at this point, probably what I could earn um, from a conventional job is probably, um, you know, on par with like, I, I earn an, a reasonable income right now. Um, awesome. So why would I, why would I switch? Uh, whereas like when I get back from my Alaska trip, I actually, um, I, I actually kind of came back with the attitude of like, look, like see what opportunities present themselves. And, um, but if, but if this isn't like, if this is, if you still feel like you're really like hustling and if you don't feel like you have enough financial stability, then you know, maybe it's time to just make the outdoor something like a passion and, but like, go, go do something like normal. Um, because it was tough. Like, you know, when I, when I left for that Alaska trip and for that matter, when I came back, um, I like all my possessions could fit in my Pontiac vibe. Um, I, uh, you know, you know, that statement you get from the social security administration every year and they're like, this is how much you've earned, you know, over the past, you know, since you, (laughs) since you've been like, since you've been, you know, 13 years old. And I mean, there are some years where I look and I'm like, how did I ever survive that year? Like I, I earned, I earned like nothing. And, um, you know, I would come back, like when I got back from my Alaska trip, um, I, there was not, I did not have a single guaranteed paycheck like into eternity. Like there was not one. So like I had to get home and like get on the phone and start making things happen if I wanted to like pay my rent. So, um, that like that kind of, I think that lifestyle, at least for me, like that had like an expiration date. I just was like tired of living, living like that as much fun as I was having is still was sort of like exhausting and like emotionally taxing to kind of like, you know, always, you know, I was just like getting too old for it. Um, so like I didn't own a pair of sheets until I was 31 years old. <laughs> I can't I can't believe I'm I'm admitting this. My wife is going to be like appalled. But yeah, like she actually she was the reason I bought sheets is because she's like these sheets that you're like that you know happen to be like that you found in the linen closet in the house that you're renting a room in. Like they're gross and you need new sheets. So um, yeah, and like so that's kind of the way my life was. Um, so as far as the other question, like what I would be doing um, if I wasn't doing this. Um, so I'm like, I actually like inherently enjoy running a business. So I actually think um, I would probably find some other way to like sell or offer widgets as a product or service. Um, like, like I'm pretty good at running a business as far as attention and detail and just sort of like understanding sort of markets. And um, so I enjoy being an entrepreneur. I won't, you know, um, there are a lot of like little details that sometimes drive me crazy, but that's part of what you part of how you can succeed in making a business because if you have the sort of ability to pay attention to those details. Um, my uh, my accountant, actually my tax accountant, always he usually always like flatters me at how good my QuickBooks are, and he's like, "Well, if you ever you know if this ever if this doesn't work out, you're you know like let me know." <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta so. feel good. Yeah, yeah, it feels feels good. Yeah. So you are definitely a details person. Oh, a super details person. Yeah, I mean, like because you have to be doing some of those trips. 
have to be. Yeah, like for for the trips, like they're just so logistics heavy. Like both my personal trips were. Like, can you imagine? Like, so you know, on a six month long trip, um, if you miscalculate by half a day how much food you need to have sent to a certain location, you're going to be really upset with yourself. So like, you can't make mistakes like that. And then similarly, nowadays with like my guided trips, like if I like if I show up to the trailhead and I like forgot to print out the maps or if I like if I forget like even like a bag of potatoes I'm that is not good for somebody so you can't you've got to be super detail-oriented to do to do what and I that's do na- that comes natural for you first time I saw a spreadsheet but probably when I saw it I was like oh I I get this this makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> well that's great man because I don't think you could do what you do any other way um, so, so you keep pretty good track of what you're doing. What would you say to somebody who's young and maybe wanting to start this path or try to forge a career out of the outdoors? What's what's some of your early on advice? Um, I I discourage trying to like forge a career. Um, I think it's um, I think so. I think there are like a couple ways. You, I th- I think if you want to have like great outdoor experiences, um, then you go. You should go do that. And like, just kind of like figure out a way to make it happen. But don't like. I think it's really unlikely that you're. I don't know. Like you're you're a recent or you're coming up on college graduation, and you're like, oh, like if I, I'm gonna plan this big C to C trip, um, and it's gonna make me famous. I'm gonna make a living off of it. I think that is hard. I think think that's probably un- unlikely. So I would, I would say like, just go do your C to C trip and like have a great time with it. And maybe afterwards, you know, keep an eye out for opportunities, but like, just, you know, be more, be more focused about the, op- the experience you're trying to have and not so much on what might come out of it later. Cause it's also pretty hard to, to, um, to like, to like balance those things um it's tough because like you're doing this big trip and like you have an interest in sharing it and um maybe building up a little bit of a platform for yourself but on the other hand like that takes that effort is sort of takes away from your experience um it just is a it can be a distraction so like if you're like coming into town and you feel like you're like oh man i need to spend like a whole day blogging like well did you go out like to go like on this trip to go blog or did you go out to go on this trip? That's good, man. I think there's a lot of that out there. I, and I think that inauthenticity, that's a word, comes through. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I think people definitely pick up on the true motives of what you're doing. And it does seem that the, the greatest reward comes to those who really aren't looking for it and are looking beyond that, looking at the actual experience itself. Yeah, I you you just and the the other thing too, these experiences are, are really hard. Yeah, um, like you're gonna you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna talk to you're gonna talk to Heather. I mean, Heather just you know I don't know what she does. she hiked like you know thirty or thirty five miles a day for like ten straight months. Like that's just hard. Like you can't yeah. like you know, it's just you're not gonna make it through like months of that if you know your justification for it is like well i'm going to be as famous as, as heather anderson <laughs> it's just not it's just not going to happen so there's easier yeah, ways to be famous as for sure very, yeah much easier ways yeah. yeah and a lot less lonely and and yeah just gosh I, that's crazy um so one thing i did want to ask is you know you're not only did your alaska trip inspire me to to fly to Alaska 
Uh, your Great Western Loop Trip, man. I, I absolutely love that. I didn't have the time to hike it, and I was kind of into bikepacking. So I followed that route as close as possible on a bicycle. And holy cow, what an experience. And I can't even imagine how much cooler it was to be on those trails. And is it cool to see that this is going to be like a legit route now? Um, I mean, what, what one, per, I think one guy did it, um, this, this past year. So that makes, that makes two. I, I doubt that. I mean, it's, I, this is not a route that is going to be done by a lot of people. You don't think it'll be, it'll become the new through hiking, like crown. No, because what happens is that like, so you have, um, you need to, you need to get up through the high Sierra really early in the season and you need to get out of Colorado before like it gets it gets nasty. So, so you really, you struggle to push up through the high Sierra, like any time before June is really, is really hard. Like, I mean, if you're in the high Sierra in May in a normal year, like you should bring your skis. For sure. And then, and then, um, in Colorado you have like, you basically, you need to get out of the state by October 1st, preferably like October 15th is probably like the latest you can reasonably do. Um, you, you could like start kind of dropping low if you start running into late October. But but in between those two points, there's so much mileage because you need to go for, like from the high Sierra, you need to go all the way up to Canada, all the way over to the Rockies, and then down the Continental Divide to Colorado. So it's a ton of miles and you just you need just need to be hauling tail. I mean you need it needs to be like 35 miles a day for like four months. And there just aren't that many people athletically who can handle that. So no. There's not. I mean, that's that makes good sense. Yes, yeah, so that's why I think it's just not going to be like a common thing. Um, what I what I think I'm probably more excited and I you know, on the Great Western Loop. So it's cool that you did it on a on a on a bike. I think you probably still got a really like awesome experience of it. I think the coolest thing for me is that you're seeing like the whole mountain west and like kind of the desert southwest, and you start looking at like much more holistically as like a like a landscape and a region, and you start to understand. Um, kind of the, the you see how sensitive it is and how sort of delicate the whole system is. Uh, so it's pretty fascinating for me, like as someone who, because like I love backpacking, I love the mechanics of backpacking, but I think actually what backpacking has done is uh, given me this opportunity to um, uh, sort of um, uh, quench my intellectual curiosities. So like I, you know, just even at the library on Sunday, I picked up a book about the Colorado River because like I still like I'm like, fascinated. You know, 12 years later with this topic of the American West and water in the West. So, um, yeah. So I think, um, you know, the, I think the route, I think the routes that I'm more excited about people starting to replicate are these high routes that I've started putting together. So like the winter high route, the Fifner Traverse, um, the soon to be or soon to be released Yosemite high route, the Kings Canyon high basin route. Like these are like, um, for me, these have been super gratifying to put together. And then, um, they're fairly accessible. Like it's a pretty high skill level that people need to have to get onto them because it's a lot of off-trail travel and um, like extreme vertical uh, change. But you know they don't require you know, like I don't know how long it took you to bike the great bike the Great Western Route, but they don't require you to take seven months off. They can you know it's something you can do in like a long weekend or a week, maybe two weeks for like the longest the longest um, through hikes of, out there. So that's sort of the, but like the last couple of years, it's been the pro or like the, the, um, the project that or the projects that have interested me most. It, well, it sounds like they're um, short enough to still be doable, no matter how many responsibilities you start to pile on or any for anyone, but they're also 
beautiful enough that you're kind of bypassing a lot of the mundane parts of some of these through hikes. There, it's always beautiful, but it, there are mundane sections, and this seems yes. to be kind of the highlights. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea. It's it's you start and you finish, and everything in between is awesome. And there's no like, oh yeah, you know, it's like, like a, like you know, imagine if you if you do like the John Muir Trail, even the John Muir Trail, um, you know, which is regarded as America's what is America's most scenic trail, I think they yeah. say, um, or America's most beautiful trail. But I can like I can I can show you on the map probably out of like two hundred. 24 miles on the John Muir Trail. I can show you probably like 75 miles. They're pretty like pretty mediocre. Like not much in the way of views. Um, you're gonna make like, a lot of people mad saying that. <laughs> that's that's fine. I'm just telling you the truth. And like you know, and and I'm just telling you the truth because I've been in the high seer a lot. And this and the John Muir Trail is a very scenic trail. But is is, is it is it like phenomenal for 224 miles? No, no. It's got some sections on it where you're like, okay, like I don't mind. I wouldn't mind getting through this in order to, like to get back to something better. Um, so I'm thinking like of along like Red's Meadow and uh, like um, the section along like Bear Creek and like Silver Pass, like after Silver Pass and some of those like lower lower elevation areas, or even for that matter. Uh, from from Happy Isles and Yosemite Valley all the way up to Tuolumne and and you know what Lyle Canyon it's like I you know I've been in Yosemite a lot like Lyle Canyon it's it's cool but like it's not great it's like it's kind whoa, of whoa, tedious whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I love Happy I'm Isles and Tuolumne it's, I don't know it's a chance more it's honestly more sentimental than anything so I got if yeah. I regard you know if I think about that then it's, I might agree it's a lot of miles it's a lot of miles in like it in, is. In, forest and it's it can be really dusty and um you know and yeah you pass by half dome like that'd be like an awesome side trip and it's fun to go over cathedral pass but like i know there's like there's like trust me there's like much better stuff in yosemite than what the john Muir trail shows you so that's the idea with the high routes is like to get you into those other areas where it's like a super concentrated experience and it's like it tries to be awesome like every single mile and when you run out of awesome terrain the, the route stops it's over wow yeah wow yeah that you know we we have a lot of people with camp crate that want to go to yosemite and we have three unofficial itineraries that we built last year that'll be official this year that are kind of based over in mammoth and we're like telling people like trust us it's epic over here because they're you know it's high elevation it's it's going to be a lot less busy it's just totally underrated the eastern side of the Sierras, in yeah. the high Sierra in general, it's right. Gosh, it's awesome. Yeah, you're. Are you you're, you're. Are you taking groups up in like Thousand Island Lake area? Uh, we we ha- we. It's the self guided tours. Um, okay. Okay. So Got it. yeah, I we see. we adequately adequately equip them, but then we ship the gear into Mammoth and they pick it up there. So we have them, especially if they're coming from LA. We'll we'll try to talk them into out of Yosemite into Mammoth Lake. It's a cooler drive. You go three ninety five. It's just right. Yep, it's just a fun, there's cool side trip, but right. to wrap up, how can people keep in touch with you and how can they sign up for one of your trips if, if, if they want to? Yeah. So do, um, so to keep tr- like to, f- I don't know, I let's see, I don't want to say follow me, but like, uh, if you'd like more information, like to see some of the content that I'm putting out there, it's all up on my website, which is my full name, andrewskirka.com. And then, uh, as far as the trips goes, uh, uh, the trips this year are they're, they're mostly full. I've got a few spots, uh, like in West Virginia, and I think I've still have a few spots in in Colorado. But like all the Alaska trips and all the California trips are full at this point. Um, usually, I open registration in 
uh, in January, and there's like an open open application window of like two weeks, and most of the trips at the end of that period uh, will be full. So That's I always tell news. people kind of sign up early. Yeah, it's um, it's nice that you know, to have that certainty at the beginning of the year. Like I can transition from out of marketing um, and just go right into planning. So like today I actually started the planning curriculum for the trips and I can, um, I'm, there'll still be a few registrations here and there between now and the trip starts, but um, probably at this point, like 95% of the, the spots are full. So I'll just like, I just go right into talking about um, what gear everyone's going to need and here, you know, and like, let's, let's print out our maps and here's the food and, and all the rest. That's awesome. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us and telling us a little bit about probably things people don't typically hear from your stories. Um, but I'll totally link everything that they need to know about you and uh, how they can find out more. So yeah, thanks for being on the show. You bet. Yeah, it's been, been a pleasure. Thanks for bring, for having me on. Yeah, no worries. All right, man. We'll have a good one. Sounds good. Bye-bye. All right. First of all, Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.